On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking to my buddy Kyle Scott. Kyle and I have known each other for a long time. Um, back in the DRT days, which I know some of you might not know what that is, and if you go and Google it, I'm not even sure what's still on the internet about it, but that's the old web, sh- the old web show that really got me into this whole thing and kind of kick-started my love for filming and production. Kyle was a part of that years ago with his uh, really good friend Michael back in the Back when Kyle still lived in Kentucky, Kyle is now working for Carson Wentz, who is the quarterback for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and he is kind of splitting time between Texas and living outside of Philadelphia, and uh, he's also doing some land management work now, and he is one of my very best friends, one of the best humans I've ever met, and uh, we have a really cool conversation, tell us some old stories, and uh, just have a good time. Hope you guys enjoy it. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. And we've already started recording and we have got one of my one of my best buddies on the phone, Mr. Kyle Scott. What's up, buddy? Not a whole lot. Sitting down here in Texas, enjoying the scorching heat. Oh, man, I bet it is hot. How long have you been in Texas? We moved down here first first week of January. So you, you so are like, moved. You're moved down there. You you didn't end up moving to Pennsylvania at all. You moved to Texas. Well, we're going to be in both, actually. So we're going to be in Texas every spring until probably 1st of August. And then August 1, like this year, August 1st, I'm leaving here. And then going to New Jersey. Technically, technically it's in New Jersey, but right outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. So we'll get into we'll get into why you're doing that in a minute. I just kind of wanted to go over um, in the intro. I kind of talked about you know you and I a little bit, but I wanted you to kind of intro yourself, and then we'll get into some of the early days and how me and you met. Perfect. So I am my current job position is producer and editor for Wentz Bros Outdoors, and and now, as of January of this year, I'm a farm manager, which has been a whole new experience for me. So my background is um, producing and editing. Met Caleb however long ago. Um, started working at Sub 7 and worked there for three years, and then uh, went off on my own last March, and was off on my own for probably not even two months. And then this job offer came up, and it was kind of too good to pass up. So jumped on board there. I'd planned on just doing my own thing, but this made sense for for me and for the family and for what I wanted and where I saw my life in you know ten or fifteen years. So um, now producing and editing Wentz Bros Outdoors, and I'm the farm manager there. Very cool. And um, I guess we'll just go ahead and go into that. So Wentz Brothers Outdoors is Carson Wentz, who is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, correct? Yes, that's correct. He and his brother who uh, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but might be more athletic than Carson, <laughs> or at least was back in his prime. <laughs> That's pretty funny. See, like... Yeah, so he... I like to remind Carson, I think Zach still... Zach's his brother. I think Zach still holds all, like, the high school football records and stuff where they went to high school. Really? That's pretty so, funny. Yeah. That's awesome. So they're, they're both, both freak athletes, which whenever we do something relatively active around them, I always feel... Like I don't belong. Yeah. So, 
like an inferior human. It's yeah, a, I felt like that a couple yeah, of times around. It's, it's a definitely humbling experience. Oh, I can only imagine. So, um, how how are they? I mean, from what little I've watched and what little I've heard you talk about them, they seem like awesome, awesome people. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they're they're as good as people as you can find. Especially, I mean, to work for and to work with, it's definitely a blessing. You know, they're just they're two normal dudes. That's what a lot of people don't get about quote unquote celebrities. I don't know if he's considered a celebrity, but he's just a normal dude that happens to be really good at his job and his job happens to be a, a job that people like to watch him do. So, um, you know, when he's not playing football, he's just a normal dude that likes to hunt, likes to hang out. And he and his brother started filming probably four years ago, maybe four or five years ago. And it's just kind of grown organically with them filming. And then they got to the point where they needed somebody to run everything. Zach also runs uh, the AO one foundation which is Carson's foundation that they do a lot within Philly and in North Dakota, which is where they grew up. So Zach's got a, you know, a full-time job. Obviously Carson is as busy as can be. So they just needed somebody to run this side of things. And, you know, it, we've become really good friends in the process. So it's, it's kind of interesting to be really good friends with your boss and coworker, but it's, it's the way I like it. Oh, for sure. Well, uh, yeah, it seems like it's, I know that all kind of developed kind of fast because I remember, you and I were talking because you left about a year after I left or just, you know, just under a year after I left and you were calling me and asking me questions. I'm like, dude, it's, it's the golden age right now. Get out. You know, it's time to get out and do some stuff, make some money. And then this thing happened. And I remember you calling me and kind of telling me about it, which, what, what you could tell me at the time. And, you know, and it sounds like an awesome opportunity. You guys get to do some really cool hunts. You've already gotten to go to Lanai and a couple other places, haven't you? Yep. Well, it, it was actually Maui, but still Maui. Hawaii. Gotcha. So the, fir- the first trip I did with them was in Maui. And so that was kind of a, a good way to start off, off the bat. My wife got to come, so she laid at the beach for 10 days, and I went and filmed Axis Deer, and then the last four or five days went to the beach with her. So that was kind of what sold her on the job. Oh, I bet. Was, um, I would have sold my <laughs> wife, too. It was, it was for sure. It was obviously going to require a move, and all of our families in Kentucky and based in Kentucky and We've both lived there our whole lives, so the actual move part was was the biggest downfall of it, but we we weighed pros and cons and decided it would be worth it. Ryer, your dad's a your dad's a huge Eagles fan, isn't he? Yeah. My dad and my aunt and uncle. He, my dad grew up in um Pottstown, which is I wanna say only forty five minutes from Philadelphia. Just, yeah, Philadelphia. So they're diehard bird fans for sure. Yeah, good. And I'm I'm a big you know, Eagles fan. Good people but. in the world. <clears throat> good people in the world. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, because I remember I remember you t- you were telling me that, and I was like, hey, well, we kind of have a connection to the the quarterback there. And he's like, you're like really? I was like, yeah, I kind of know a guy that works for him. It's crazy. It's <laughs> dude. It, it, I mean, Kyle, and you can attest to this how crazy this line of work is for the people that are involved in the hunting industry and the connections and the relationships that you've made, I'm sure you've made and that I've made over the, over the years and the people you've gotten to meet all because people that enjoy hunting. Yep, for sure. And it, it's crazy cause it, it seems like, you know, there's tons and tons and tons of hunters, but when you get down to it, there's really not. Yeah. And it's just, it seems like, I mean, I know you've mentioned it before, but the industry is so small. Like you just feel like you're getting intermingled with everybody around. And there's some, definitely some cool people in the industry. So um, a good good way to meet people and a good way to, you know, network. And I know you're big on networking, and that's what's proved to uh, 
keep you in business, so to say. Yeah, for sure. So, definitely so, a big part of it. So a couple couple of stories that we're going to have to get into right off the bat. They weren't in the notes, but I know I know Kyle's going to want to jump into these stories. So Just don't be the deer. Well, that one's coming. I'm not putting I'm not putting that one in here Gosh. yet. So in the intro of this podcast, you hear um, a shot and a thwack and an arrow hitting a deer. Actually, Kyle filmed that footage that that sound bite comes from, and that's a deer that you filmed Michael shoot in velvet in Kentucky. What was that? Five years ago? Uh, probably six years ago now. Yeah, and the reason I pulled that clip is because that's the best sounding arrow thwack into a shoulder that I've ever heard, and I wanted you know I wanted the audio for the intro of this to be undeniable as to what that sound was, and that was the best one I could think of, and I went and literally pulled that <laughs> one piece of audio out of that. So that's a kind of a cool little tidbit is Kyle actually filmed the footage that that audio is pulled from. Um, that was in huh. you know, outside of where you used to live, outside, you know, kind of um, North Kentucky. Uh, was it Fra- uh, Frank Frankfurt? Yep, Frankfurt's where I grew up. Yeah, Frankfurt. Michael and I both live in, or lived in Lexington prior and, to me moving. And then so we'll go back even further about how you and I and Michael met, which is back in the day I used to have the web show DRT Hunting, which most people on this podcast probably don't even know what that is. I haven't seen any. You I haven't don't, seen any. You of don't want to see. I would like to. You don't need to watch any of them. They're so bad. I think I'd like to. No, <laughs> I'll have those password locked. You'll never get into those. So you're saying that they're not right now? <laughs> no, I don't know. I'd have to go look. Get on it, Are have, they on the Vimeo? I don't, I'm not answering that. I plead the fifth. Um, so they're well, they're have they're to find s- out. They're some of the really. I mean, some of the first stuff is so bad. Oh my God, it's so bad. But um, we—that's when I thought I knew what I was doing, but I didn't. I was so mm-hmm. clueless. And Kyle and Michael, they were just some rednecks from Kentucky that like shooting stuff. <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, we're rednecks that like to shoot stuff. How about we all get together and we all be rednecks and all try to shoot stuff?" And that was, for the most part, the the relationship was like, "Hey, we kill stuff." And I'm like, "Hey, I like to shoot stuff." And it's like, "Hey, let's all get together and hang out and shoot stuff." And we're like, "Okay." And if it would have worked out as easily as we thought it would, man, we would be way further ahead than we are right now. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all be rich and retired and hunt for a living. Exactly. So, you know, back in the day, God, I wish I knew what year that was. It would have been, it would have been my first year or two at sub seven, which would have been 2012, 13. I think and it may be. You were still 12, in co- so this is you were still in college, weren't you? Yep. Yeah. So, so Kyle- this is random. So you, this is like uh, I haven't watched this video in forever, but there was a video that you emailed me on the first ever trip that I went with the Habit guys in Kentucky, and I was like, probably last week I was looking for that video again. So I was going back through my emails from like 2010, 2011, like seeing the old school DRT stuff. Oh with, God like plans and trips and like production guides and all that stuff. <laughs> so I, I spent like 20 minutes just going through old emails. Oh God. I'd hate to even know what those email, you know, sub, you know, what those, <laughs> what those emails said, because that's back oh, when, that's a, back when all I'll, good things. Yeah. Well, good. Well, um, yeah, it's crazy. And then the craziest part is, and Ryan, I don't think Ryan knows this. When you were in college, you didn't go to college for this, you went to college for a career that would probably pay a lot more than just being a producer. 
Yeah, so I uh, I have an engineering degree and then worked five years and worked my butt off and was all miserable through college because it was so hard. And then I decided to go film hunts for a living after that. Yeah, I literally called so, you. I called you and I'm like, hey, you know, you're pretty good at this and we need somebody to. I think you just started out as a contractor, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I had no plans of doing it for a career. I would just, I would do it like in college. I did it just to make money on the side. Yeah. And I got Kyle on a couple of contract trips with at Sub 7. And I guess you, the first couple of trips you did were habit trips, weren't they? I think so. Yeah. So yeah, he went on a couple, were. he went a couple of habit trips. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. We needed a full time guy. You knew how to edit. And then you did weddings and stuff as well. And, you know, which, I mean, I think you and your wife made pretty good money doing that on the side too, didn't you? Yeah, so we actually we made more doing weddings than I did at my technical full time job. Oh yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah, so it was uh, it was a good season. It was a fun season. I mean, my wife and I were talking about it the other day, just how fun that was. And at the time, I thought that was my dream job, and I thought that's what I wanted to do forever. And then life happens. I had a kid. Realized that I got bigger plans and bigger dreams for her. So it led me to try to try different avenues and, and step out and grow. Yeah, it turns out uh, kids change things a little bit. <laughs> Just slightly. Yeah, slightly. Yeah, um, they they definitely throw kinks in plans and add add value and add stress and add fun, and they do all the all the things. Kids do those. Yeah, no but, doubt. Uh, so I guess we'll go ahead and jump to the deer story. Um, <sighs> you knew this was coming. I'm just gonna put it on mute for a few minutes. Uh, and I've told this story a lot, and Kyle and I tell it every time I'm involved doing something with Kyle. But and if you've heard the story, I'm sorry. But uh, Kyle had the opportunity at probably one of the biggest free range whitetails that I've ever looked at on video. I didn't see him in person, but uh, Kyle, uh, Michael. So Kyle and Michael were buddies, and they used to film together all the time. And uh, Kyle had already, or Michael had already filled his tag because you can only kill one one whitetail in Kentucky. And y'all were hunting. This was like what last week of October. Yep, October twenty sixth. October twenty sixth, and y'all went and hunted a little small like timber track that he had permission on, and y'all didn't know this deer existed. Yep. So we're <laughs> he's uh, ju- he's really jumping into this story. <laughs> really, <laughs> really wants to continue this one. He doesn't like it being brought back up, this. and I I can't bl- I can't blame him. <laughs> But he's such a good so sport. I don't know. There was a there was a story that somebody was telling at ATA that you really were not happy about them retelling. Oh, shooting the deer in the face. Yeah, I wasn't happy about that either. So I guess maybe <laughs> you could channel that, and then you nah. could find empathy. Guess for Kyle. what? I'm the host of this podcast. We're not talking about that one. <laughs> no, I didn't say we had to talk about that one. But you could probably understand where Kyle is okay, coming from. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I would feel see, this isn't even a good story. This no, is just a sad. Story. I would feel way worse because if I were shot. At or had an opportunity to shoot at the deer that Kyle had an opportunity to shoot at, I wouldn't want to talk about it either. But hey, that's what <laughs> that's what friends are for. <laughs> friends with podcasts. Uh, friends with podcasts. We'll make it quick and simple and to the point. Yeah. So it's October 26th. That's the first cold front we had that whole year. Like really good cold front. It was like 25, 26 degrees that morning. And so the year prior, Michael had shot a 170, like probably 100 years. I mean, sorry, 100 yards from from where we were. Um, so we knew it was a good spot and, and that year prior, there was two other bucks in there that were probably 160 plus that we were pretty sure made it, but weren't hundred percent sure. So we had no cameras up there. 
no nothing, just went up there to the spot just because it historically seemed to be a good spot and hadn't seen a deer all morning. And then at like, I think it was like 8.45, almost 9 o'clock, uh, I look over and just see a huge body of a deer and can't see its rack. So I like get Michael's attention, point at it, like tell him where it is. He sees it and he can see the rack. And like, obviously Michael killed the 170 the year prior. So he knows what a good deer looks like. And so like seeing his facial reaction when he saw this deer, like still haunts my dreams. Like it, it was the pure shock of how big this deer was. And then it walks another 10 yards or so. And I just look at it. And the first thing I see is just massive brow tines. Yeah. Like we, we still call it the brow tine, but yeah, still that's the biggest yeah. brow tines I've ever seen on a deer. Yeah. I mean, realistically what you, I would say they were probably over 12 inches. Oh yeah. I would fair? say between 13 and 14 inches, 14 inch brow tines. Yeah. Just obnoxiously large brow. They tines. were as long as his and, G2s and as long as his G2s. Yeah. And I mean, we still have the picture of the deer, so we can we can pull it up one of these days and and show the show people if if that's okay. I don't know if my heart can handle that. But <laughs> so we see the deer; it's like probably a hundred yards away at this time and feeding towards us, perfectly normal, perfectly fine. So get my bow ready. He's filming. Gets the camera ready. It angles off the road. It was on. It was on a ridge top road. He kind of we think looking back, we think he caught our ground scent because that's where we walked in. So we're assuming he may have caught our ground scent. He kind of veers off to the right, but he's on a trail that is going to take him 40 yards from our stand. So he's cruising on along, perfectly fine, gets to 40 yards. I already ranged it. I know exactly where it is. So he's probably 10 yards short of it, and I go ahead and draw. I'm anchored. I'm set. Everything's perfect. And then he's probably two steps short of my shooting lane, and it hit me that I never adjusted my sight. And this was my first year using an adjustable single pin sight. So obviously all the blood just rushes out of everything in my body. <laughs> and then I, I try to let down, try to adjust the sight, try to pull back, but he's already, he's already gone. He's out of the shooting lane and he's gone. So that deer walked away, uh, unscathed. We, we hunted him the rest of that year. Never saw him again. Saw him the next year, um, in got pictures of him like October 15th. And he put on a whole nother beam on his right side. Yeah. So he was like mega freak. He was probably, he was probably, I would say easily in the one eighties, um, maybe, maybe pushing one ninety um, when I hunted him and he was, he I was over 200. Say next confidently year. He's, he's over 200. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and where we go, I mean, where we hunt just doesn't grow deer like that very often. Yeah. But and the, he, uh, the best part, the best part of the story is that what happened when y'all got down and you snuck oh, out. Yep, so we sneak out perfectly fine, no problems, and we get down to our truck. And this is like a property that we at least thought we were the only ones that had permission to hunt it, and it was strictly bow hunting. Like the landowner wasn't real keen on hunting to begin with, but because she knew Michael, she let Michael hunt. And so we get down there, and there's a guy with a shotgun. This is end of October, keep in mind. And we're like, hey, uh, are you, you supposed to be here? He's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so gave me permission, which was the landowner. And so we're like, okay, that's weird. We're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going turkey hunting. So he's sitting there end of October with a shotgun, turkey hunting. And the worst part is he walks directly where that deer just walked. So he's up there just trancing around 190 inch deer, just walked there an hour or two prior. So that's probably why we never saw that deer the rest of the year and probably why we never killed it. 
And y'all never and, heard, and, like, and you never heard of somebody else killing it still to this day. No. Nope. So he ended up breaking one of his main beams off that year. He had a double main beam, and so we weren't going to shoot him. But he was super visible that year and then have no idea what happened after that. So, I mean, there's a chance that someone could have shot him and didn't know what he was just because he broke off one of those main beams. But who knows? Wow. So it's still... And at the time, I was sophomore in college, I think. Yeah. So, like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, no worries. I'll, I'll see another deer like that. Yeah. And no. eight years later, haven't even seen something within 40 inches of it. So. Oh, yeah, I know. It's like... Yeah, even filming on you know even filming with people like Lee and Tiffany and Fox really like that is a rare rare deer, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't I didn't know that at the time as well as I know that now, but looking back, uh, I mean of course hindsight's twenty twenty. I think I could have killed that deer with my sight still at twenty five yards, just you know put it at the top of his back and it, he's still probably gonna die. Yeah, but it's just. I couldn't have lived with myself if I shot him and wounded him. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, it's one of those deals, you know, it's a danged if you do, danged if you don't type thing. It's There's not a good There's yep. not a good answer to that. Yeah, yeah well, so. well, well, anyway, yeah, that's, it's a tough, tough story, and we actually put together a show that actually aired for Killcliffe Outdoors years ago, and I'll try and dig that up and maybe pull that one little clip from it and put it on Instagram with this episode because yeah. the, the deer is – or we, <laughs> or we could just not. Or we could just not. The deer is something special, and there's not there's not that many out there like that that are just super freaks that you know you don't see very often. And then you get good video of him, and two angles go in, everything's right except getting this shot off. And um, but y'all did have some other awesome hunts. I mean, I know that y'all ended up filming. Was it the next season? Y'all pretty much lost everywhere that you were going to hunt, or no? EHD had killed everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah EH, the next season. Yeah, EHD killed everything, and then buck. yeah, you and uh, that's when me and Chuck came up there, and got our butts yeah. handed to us. <laughs> yeah, that was the year EHD hit because yeah. probably two weeks prior to you all coming, we had like four or five bucks in the one forties, one fifties that were very consistent. Yeah, and then they all disappeared. Yeah, it's such a cool area to hunt too. All those hills and all those horse horse farms and stuff. I love that area. Which. Speaking of Kentucky, my brother actually possibly has a job offer in Western Kentucky. So, guess who really? might be moving to Western Kentucky? I think you need to. Oh man, I I do it's need God's that. country. I need that in my life. I really do. <laughs> the more I travel, and granted, I am a, a homer. The more I travel, the more I like Kentucky. Even oh, yeah. being down here in Texas, which yeah. is like unreal. Like I love Texas. It it I still love Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So it, it's a good place to live, for sure. Well, uh, I want to get into some of the stuff about, you know, now that you do that you do work in the production world day in and day out, and you're also doing the land management stuff. But I want to talk about the production stuff just because, you know, on the podcast we try and give guys and girls that are out there that are trying to do this the best perspective on what it is, how to do this job, how to create better content, how to do all those types of things. So what are what are a couple of things, you know, aspects of filming hunts or creating content that you've learned over the years? You know, what are some things that if you could pinpoint one or two reasons or, or, or things that you do or things that you need to learn to make, you know, to make your job easier or to do a better job, you know, what are some yeah. of those things? Uh, that's a good question. I think the the biggest for me, 
and I know you you've I mean you taught me this when I was first getting into this is you ha- don't have to but it really really helps to learn to edit just so as you're shooting you know what you need so for me it's more not not the meat and potatoes of the show like not the kill shots not the animals not the whatever you're filming it's the transitional shots it's the establishing shots it's the time lapses it's the stuff that a lot of people overlook in a show but it's the stuff that makes the show or an episode whatever you're doing what it is and so that was not tough for me to learn but I had to learn that the first few months on the job is you got to do more than film animals and you got to do more than film reactions to shooting those animals Um, that would be number one probably and then I would say number two is like paying attention to the small details technically just to make your editor's life easy like audio is the big one like really focusing on trying to get good audio just so you're not fighting it when you're editing because mm-hmm. that's that's the one thing that I probably struggle with the most still to this day is audio and I, I'm kicking myself every time I sit down and try to edit something just because you're working with effects trying to do anything to get that audio where it needs to be whereas if you just take a few extra minutes on the front end you have nothing to worry about with that yep good audio goes hand in hand with good video yep but as the, important yeah. as the video I think yeah it goes back to that old adage just fix it in post well you know <laughs> there's some things you can fix in post but for the most part doing a good job on the front end taking extra time you know getting all the shots all the you know the basic building blocks of what a good show is then you hand that to a good editor give a good editor the basic building blocks and then get creative when you have a chance to get creative then you'll have a really good product at the end yeah for sure. So I think it's just making sure in which I like the way my brain works, just being an engineer. Like I love checklists. I love things to accomplish, accomplish that thing, and then go on to the next thing. So I almost have a mental checklist every time I shoot something of, okay, I need to open the scene here. So I need to go back 60 yards and get an establishing shot. I need a couple transitional shots to get me into the talent talking. So like wherever you are, if you're in a house, go get a shot of the house, get a shot of the porch light get a shot of a sign somewhere just to have get you into that talking and smooth that out and then whatever they talk about make mental notes of that and then you go shoot that as soon as you're done talking and I've learned from me at least if I don't do it right away it's I usually don't remember to do it later so it's just it essentially it comes down to don't be lazy yeah Um, yeah edit edit your mind shoot what you need to shoot and then but at the same time try not to overshoot yeah so and that's something that comes with time that I still probably haven't learned as well as I need to and I'll give you some accolades there I know you're pretty good at that at, at not overshooting so well me um, and Ryer, me and what Ryer, you need and getting it Ryer and I talk about that a lot about how I you know I go in and I get shots and then Ryer he just can't help himself he has to, <laughs> like he just he he is the furthest thing from lazy he is the furthest thing from not having the bare minimum you know he's going to shoot the hell out of a scene if he can, and uh, yeah. and he and he's he, he like you can look at his his list of clips and you look at my list of clips and you can just look at them from across the room, and you can tell who shot what, because <laughs> he but he's gonna get it, he's gonna get a lot of clips yeah. and and I, and I and I love that about him, but and then you can attest to this once you start getting into edits that you've got to do over and over and over again, if you can't concise that list then guess what you've got to look through every one of those clips 
you've got to yeah. lay hands on virtually every one of those clips. And I think he's getting better about it. You think you're getting better about it? Not uh, really. <laughs> uh, I mean, I every time I go on a trip, I try to tell myself to not shoot uh, everything everything <laughs> but then i'm there with a camera and it's like look at all these things to shoot <laughs> and then i get what back in the edit um and i'm like ah dang i got way too much crap yeah and then we, but then i always find i always find one clip that i got when i was shooting everything that i wasn't supposed to be shooting that works perfect yeah and then it just reinforces in my brain that I need oh, to keep doing Oh, if we that. ever do, if we ever get a, a contract to do a documentary on something, Ryer's your man. He's going to get the <laughs> shots. There's no doubt. You know, if we ever get a budget for something that's not an outdoor, you know, hunting show budget, you know, we're set. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, sure. it d- it's, it does it's, get me in trouble though cuz it 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 I take more time in the field. And so sometimes you you run into you know, like the person you're filming, they want to be gone and doing things now. Mm-hmm. And so, Chuck. You know, mainly I th- Chuck. I think everybody, probably. <laughs> mainly, mainly. You, mainly on every Chuck. trip, I always get told, like, ah, we're good. We don't need any more of that stuff. <laughs> I get told like, that on every trip. <laughs> I, get, I do. I get told it on every trip. They're like, I, we don't really, I think we got it now. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. We could do one more shot. <laughs> we got time. It's five seconds, and then it's never five seconds. It's never but, five seconds. You it's know. never, and it's never <laughs> one more. Just one more. That's true. It is never just one no, more. No, ever. No, yeah, no. I've, yeah, I've been in that scenario too. But I've also, I've also, I've also, I think, and I think the reason I'm better at this, and and Kyle can attest to this too, is when you start editing footage that you didn't shoot from somebody who's not an editor, and literally they vomit through the camera because they don't <laughs> understand how to edit. They don't understand how to edit in their head or they don't understand the sequence of shots that they need. And you go through and you're starting to edit and you're like, there's 14 shots of this, you know, windmill. And then he's talking. And then there's 19 shots of his bow. But there's no there's no setup shot of the animal coming in. There's no pre-roll. There's no this. There's no that. You know, it's like, well, they got all these shots, but they didn't get the shots that they needed to get. You know, mm-hmm. they got a bunch of pretty stuff but they have no idea how to tell a story. You know, they have no idea, you know, and you, you edit enough footage of crap that you didn't shoot. I mean, we're having to do some of that now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's frustrating to where you're like, okay, I go into this hunt, into this hunt, I know I need to get this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot, and this shot. Once I get those shots, now I can be creative. Now, if I see something that's cool, I can do it. If I get a good sunset, I can do it. If I have time to do a time lapse, I can do it. It's one of those things to where, once you get that 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 essentially that template in your mind, okay, get everything in get everything within the template and then use the gaps to be creative. And that's what not knowing how to edit, like you said earlier, Kyle, not knowing how to edit is going to make that way more difficult, especially when you send that to an editor. Because trust me, editor you when you send that to an editor, he hates your guts. <laughs> he wants to he wants to slap you because he's like what was this guy doing the entire time you know I say that to myself yeah. on my own footage sometimes <laughs> when I don't when I oh, keep sure. I could see myself trying to get a shot and I never nail it I'm like ah, you freaking idiot you can't <laughs> nail it yeah darn it Ryer yeah it's like you never quite get it in the focus right the focus right where you want it at the right time or yeah it's a little shaky when you need it to be one second longer oh yeah I've been there before 
And I'm, and and I was, I was sitting there thinking, the, go ahead. I, I was editing an episode like last fall. Um, it had two shooters. I was one of the shooters. And I had swapped cameras with the other guy. I don't remember why. But like as I'm editing, I didn't remember that. And like I'm going through the footage of what I thought was the other guys. Like sitting there getting frustrated. Like, oh, that's out of focus. Oh, that's shaky. Oh, that's not long enough. And then like eight clips later, I realized that I was the one filming the whole time. <laughs> that's kind of embarrassing. But yeah. it, it made me think, well, I got to be better filming then. Yeah. Oh, I've done that before. I've get in a clip and I'm like, I need this shot so bad. And I need it to be four seconds. And I've got, you know, right at three seconds worth of usable stuff. And then not that four second. The four segment looks like I'm in a hurricane. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And I, and I try and think back. What exactly was I doing at this moment that I didn't get this for three or to four solid seconds? And I just, it's like, who, who knows, man? Who knows what was happening? I don't remember. You know, and it's and it's bad. You get to the point where, you know, and we're so blessed. And I say that we're so blessed to get to go and travel. And like my wife was telling me the other day, I was saying, I can't remember what we were talking about, but uh, I don't remember. We got we got on the subject of like travel and how you know most people don't get to travel. You know, most people that we that we know and that we go to church with and that we run around with every day. You know, our close family, they've really not been outside of. Georgia a whole lot and if they have they got to go to Tennessee and to Florida and maybe Alabama like that's their that's what they consider quote unquote travel and so for us that you know we get to travel all over the country all over you know sometimes out of the country for us to be able to sit here and and say you know we get to get paid to go and do these things it's so cool and it just goes back to what we were saying earlier about how many opportunities hunting has opened for me in my life to be able to go out and see new things, meet new people, experience things that I would never would have gotten to do otherwise. For sure. And I know for me, especially because I just started going through footage again this week. Like I, I almost take, take it for granted when I'm there. Like, oh I yeah. I do. Too. Much, I for sure. Fun I'm having. I for sure do. Yeah, I do too. And then I go back and look at the footage like right now. I'm like, dang, I would, I would do just about anything to be back there again right now. Yeah. Well, and that's what, and that's kind of what she was getting at. She's like, you don't realize that you you get to do so much more than ninety five percent of other people. You know, you'll see things that, and she's like, and she said it in terms of her. She's like, that I'll never get to see, and I never, and I've never really thought about it that way. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. You know, I never really put that in perspective. Like that, you know, that elk hunt in Utah last year with all those elk bugling. Like you can't. Like I would have given a lot of money for my dad to be on the mountain with me to be able to experience that because there is you cannot explain how amazing that was unless you're there you know then the moose hunts and some of the turkey hunts i've been on some of these deer hunts now i've been on some really freaking miserable ones too but those don't outweigh how awesome some of the other ones have been and it's just it's just i don't know i I, i've gotten to i've got to do better about getting outside of myself sometimes and, and kind of taking in where I'm at and what I'm doing because now that I've done it for going on nine years, it's kind of gotten to where, okay, this is a job. And it is a job, but, you know, like, we're having a good time. I, think, I guess that's why I'm still messing with Chuck, that idiot. Because we, <laughs> we just have so much fun on trips. Like, he is a freaking nut. And there's, yeah. there's never, a, I mean, you know, there is never a dull moment. <laughs> Well, I was talking to somebody yesterday, <clears throat> just kind of about 
work and stuff like that. And they're like, you seem like you and your boss are good friends. And I said, yeah, I mean. we." Nice, no, kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should have said. And uh, I said, yeah, I mean, kind of have to be. We spend all the time of, in yeah. the office and 14 hours on the road all the time and this, that, and the other. And then I got to think, I was like, well, I mean, I get along pretty good with everybody that yeah. I well, that you, you have, go on trips you on. Have to, and then man. and you kind of think like a lot of people go into work and they freaking they hate Somebody the people they, they got to work with and yeah. you know it's kind of like well that is cool that you you got all these people that you get to hang out with for you know a week here a week there a couple weeks here and it's just a blast the whole well, time. Dude, like I think back to season 1 of the habit. I spent more time with Chuck Bell more than I did with my wife. No doubt. <laughs> No doubt. Maybe that explains why y'all bigger so much. Well, dude, we spent 400 and something <laughs> hours. I figured out 426 hours just in the truck driving season one. That's not counting on the, you know, during the day hunting and traveling and, you know, all that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of freaking time. And trust me, I, we felt it at the end of season one of the habit. Like that's, we had felt like we'd been in a fight, you know, because we just <laughs> went so hard all year long to make that show happen on no budget virtually. And I feel like we're still doing it. You know, that's Chuck's, that's his saying is like, when we make it guys, when we make it, we're going to have a nice, you know, a nice <laughs> way to travel. When we make it, we're not going to have to sleep for the hotel. When we make it, we won't have to eat Taco Bell every, you know, every meal. You know, I was having to explain that to my doctor the other day. He's like, you know, he's like, are you eating healthy? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> he's like, nope. He's like, well, do you have the opportunity to? I'm like, not really. I was like, I wish I did. I was like, other than packing my food with me everywhere I go, there is virtually no way to eat healthy when you're on the road, especially with Chuck Belmore. Yeah, not with Chuck. <laughs> now you go with Brian. With Brian. Brian, you yeah. can eat healthy. Well, with. you'll be starving to death the entire time. That's not true. I'm down the last trip to the Keys, I ate well, pretty you're healthy. Not, you're not a grown man, Briar. I'm a grown man. I'll have you know, I'm a full-grown ginger. <laughs> full-grown ginger. And he rides his bike, so he's burning those calories. Oh, yeah, he's riding those bikes. Yeah, um, I actually rode my wife's stationary bike last night. Mm. But that was an attractive <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, was, I, mean, it was, I guess it was boring because I actually wasn't on a road. And so, I was staring. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know how, like, editing is the less fun part of – like the shooting process, it's kind of like that's the same thing with riding stationary bikes. It's just not, it's just not as fun. So it's just that the riding the bike on the roads, the shooting part versus editing, riding yeah. on stationary bike. Mm-hmm. I could see that. It's just a little bit more dull. I mean, yeah. If, if you would, want, if you want the pro, the pro tips are get a fan, and like put a put a laptop so you can watch Netflix. Well, I was watching Netflix. Yeah. I was doing that. But it still gets so monotonous. Yeah. And then the the bike doesn't move and so you just start getting numb places that really you shouldn't be yeah well it was really really probably my first time riding a stationary bike since college the offer still stands caleb you can Uh, come ride your bike with me anytime you want not lance armstrong i can't do that (laughs) um so getting back to actually talking about tips now that we went on a long tangent um what are some things that you could tell guys that are out there that are maybe wanting to get into some outdoor content creation, wanting to start their own web show, wanting to do a YouTube channel, what are some things you would give them tips on? Huh. I think uh, I think number one, I would say plain and simple, just be a good person and be easy to get along with. Yep. 
I think I think that'll get you more jobs than any pretty shot you ever get. Just being a good person, being easy to get along with, like being fun to be around for a week straight. Did yep. you prepare him with talking points? That'd be annoying. No. Because this is all the things that you say. Yeah, well, we like my <laughs> you know, great minds think alike, man. It's eerie. It's eerie. Yeah. yeah. So, Spooky. I've just I've been around uh host of shows who just have horror stories of people they didn't enjoy being around. Oh yeah. And it just doesn't sound fun for anybody. And I can guarantee you those guys won't get hired back again. Exactly. So Because it, it's one of those things it goes back to and I've I mean, I've said this on the podcast a thousand times. If people don't enjoy to be around you, I don't have, I don't care how talented you are, you're not getting invited back. Yeah. You know, it's 100%. It, because those guys are doing hunting shows and hunting content because they enjoy doing it. And if you are the reason they stop enjoying it, they're going to cut you out. Because guess what? Producers are a dime a dozen. Now, good producers are not a dime a dozen. That's why you've got to try and get in that, you know, be a good producer. Be easy to work with. You know, you're kind of, you're there, you're professional, but you have a good time. You understand when it's okay to cut up. You understand when it's okay to not be filming. You understand when... You know it. You know that. You know the job's over. The job's done. And you also understand when you need to be working and how to how to mitigate those things. It's it's a it's a big give and take. And every client's different. Um, some clients go hard all day long. Some of them are super laid back. Some of them are a mixture of both. You know we have all aspects of it. You know we've got. You know Brian's really good about letting us kind of handle all the creative like he really trusts us and lets us do things chuck me and him have worked together so long we don't even have to talk about it anymore we just go through we do our job we have a good time and uh dudley you know he's one of those guys that he wants to knock out a lot of stuff he's got a plan he's got a list we go through we freaking kill it all day long and then dinner time we sit down and we cut up you know and everybody's different to where you you have to understand and, you know, the first time I went and worked with Dudley, I didn't know what to expect. You know, the first time I worked with Brian, I didn't know what to expect. So it's one of those things where you go in, you be a professional, be a nice guy, you know, kind of fill them out of what kind of person they are, personality they have. And then, you know, not necessarily adapt to that, but work within those, you know, within those parameters and you'll be good. Luckily for us, you know, every client we've gotten, we still have because they enjoy being with us. They enjoy working with us. They enjoy um, what we do for them and we add value at every chat. And that's what I tell guys that want even, even guys not to, you know, not to hijack your question, but, uh, even guys that want to just, they want to take pictures or do short videos for a company because they want to get free product. Even if that's, if that fits you, then the, the advice I have for you is add value in any possible way you can add value. If that's taking pictures, if that's doing videos, if that's writing a blog, if that's giving them IT services, if that's cleaning their office, whatever you've got to do to add value, then that's what you do. If you want to work with somebody, then you'll find a way to add value. Yeah, that's good. That's very true, too. Yeah. Um, what's some things that you've learned the hard way? Uh, I think I just go back to audio. I think... Uh, I've I've had some bad audio that I've learned that it's not worth not taking a few extra minutes on the front end because without audio your your whole shoot's ruined. 
So you, you have to have it. Even if it's not perfect, it has to be usable. And I've had some stuff where it was unusable. Um, so I'd say that was something I learned the hard way. I would say uh, probably get... Uh, probably get as nice of an equipment as you can afford and try to hang on to it instead of switching every year or or saying, well, I'm going to get this cheap camera, but then two years, which if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. But just try to save up, try to get something nice that you can use for three to four years and then just be ready to use it whenever that time comes. So it's there's been a couple of times where I've had opportunities, whether I was in between cameras or doing something that I, like I, I missed out on opportunities because I was flirting with the new camera or whatever that may be. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think that's something, you know, there's nothing in the production world that's cheap. Everything's going to be expensive and it all depends on, that's the number one question that we get is what camera should I buy? And it's like, there's no right or wrong answer to that is what, what's the best camera within your budget? You know, what's, what is your budget? And then we can, you know, once I know what your budget is, then we can go because what's the best camera you can buy? Well, it depends on what you're doing. You know, if you're taking pictures, there's a couple options. Well, there's five $10,000 options, and then there's $1,500 options. You know, you're shooting commercials. Well, there's a couple options. They range from 30000 to to 100000 You know, what are you doing? You know, it's there's no – I wish there was a, a, a definitive answer. Like when somebody calls me, what's the best camera to buy? 5D Mark IV. I, yeah. w- I wish it was that easy, but it's not. Um, there's never one perfect answer. But I, and I and I and I want to add to that. You know, get the gear that you can afford, but also supporting gear is as important or more important to adding production value. Getting a good tripod, getting a good camera arm, getting a good fluid head, uh, getting good microphones. You know, getting all the support equipment that it takes to really polish off what you're doing. Because if all you do is spend every dime you got on a good camera, well, a good camera has to have good audio. A good camera has to have good support. A good camera has to have a case so you don't tear it up. A good camera has to have other things than just the camera. So remember, when you have a budget that, you know, if you say your budget is $2,500, well, you don't want to spend all $2,500 just on your camera. And then all you got's a camera. You know, that's that's not going to get you a quality a product just by buying a camera. So just remember that when you go to buy something, build into your budget some money to buy those other things too. Yeah, and I think uh, to piggyback off that again is you don't always need like the the sliders or the gimbals. Like that can be something you get down the road. You don't always have to have that up front. And especially if you're just getting into it, I would say, maybe even avoid that and learn how to tell a story with what you have. And then yeah. once, once you get there, you can, you can add value with those type things. But I know I've heard you mention it before, but a lot of people use it as a crutch Yeah, that and drones and that type of stuff. They just use it as instead of creating that, creating extra value, they depend on that to get to a baseline. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they feel like if they, if they have a high speed camera and a drone that they can tell a good story. So all at the whole shows, you know, you know, slow motion clips, drone clips, and, you know, a hip-hop song to beats. It's like, that's not telling a story. Um, that's a music video. That's what that is. You know, that's a, that's, you know, it, it, there's a lot more to it. You use those things as tools. You don't use those as standalone. That's the only thing you got. Like, I think about when we pack to go on a trip. We have, 
we always take a big camera, mm-hmm. which is our FS7 and mics. Then we have a DSLR for pictures and whatever lenses we want to bring with it, and obviously batteries and crap. And then we bring a tripod and a drone. That's the bare basics bounce. and a bounce. And we take that everywhere we go with us. And at the you know at the grand scheme of things, our kit you know all said and done is probably I don't know twenty grand for everything, and that's not what most guys can afford. But you can really scale that whole kit down to a thirty five hundred five thousand dollar range, and you can really save your money and get a good kit. You know, and for five thousand dollars, you can probably get good enough gear to where you can go freelance for some people. You could go out and take that five thousand dollar investment. And make that in a year, no problem, just by going out and filming for some companies or for some shows or for some web shows or getting local, you know, local work to pay for it. You know, that's the, that's the beauty of being in video and production. And Kyle can say this too, because now he owns, you know, he does his own thing or he did, did his own thing. And now he works for somebody else is like, as far as starting a small business or starting a, you know, a side gig, going into production is a really good way to do it because your investment, think about starting a construction company. Or think about starting a screen printing. Think about starting, you know, these things cost tens and twenties and thirties and fifties of thousands of dollars. Whereas you can go in with a $5,000 investment and make really good money with a $5,000 investment. It's just what you're selling is your time. The gear doesn't cost that much. And, you know, I tell people all the time, it's like, yeah, it's it would suck if we lost everything. But with Amazon, I could replace it pretty much everything in this office in two days. There's not very many businesses you can say that. Yep, definitely agree. Yep. So, what's um, what's your favorite thing to what's your favorite thing to chase with a camera or with a bow, or a gun? Mm-hmm. I think just because I, well, I'm gonna give two answers because they're tied. I would say I think my new favorite as of about last year to hunt is elk. for sure elk. Yep. Yep. If it, last year was my first elk hunt, and it's you can't describe it to somebody. It's just unreal so but because i don't get to do that very often if i could only hunt one more thing or one thing it would probably be whitetail yeah that's what i grew up doing and i still love whitetail hunting like oh, that, i, I that's told what gets you me all fired up i told you the elk hunt was going to ruin you dude oh it did like it's all i can think about right now because and that's another thing this is just a side jaunt about off your own or working for your working for yourself or working for somebody is working for yourself you set your schedule and so like last year i went on an elk hunt for 10 days and this year I'm trying to squeeze it in into in between other shoots and what everything else I have to do. So I don't know if I'm going to get to go on an elk hunt this year and it's making me extra sad, but uh, yeah, elk hunting is the elk hunting is the one thing that I would probably say is my favorite right now. Oh yeah. And probably filming too. It's just the mountains and out West. It's just different than what I'm used to. Yep. There's so, nothing like it. Yeah. There's still a newness to it that, that makes me all all giddy. Yeah, you need to get Carson on a on a one of those big Utah hunts or something down oh, in Trinchera yeah. or something, man. It's it's unreal. It's not even as soon as he's done playing, which he obviously can't while he's playing just because that's primetime football season. But yeah, we've already talked about it. As soon as he's done playing, we're gonna just for the next five years after he retires, probably take all of September and just go elk hunting. Oh man. So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, call me if you need help. I'd I'd like to I'll join <laughs> in on that one. 
Heck yeah. Yeah, what what's kind of your outlook for the rest of the year? What do you got what do you guys got going on as far in terms of uh, hunts and some stuff? Do y'all have any, any kind of plans in stone or are you just kind of winging no, it? Right now we're still kind of winging it especially with COVID and all that. We don't know exactly what how everything's going to look with the season. COVID? What is that? I've not heard of this. That's the that's the extra sophisticated word for corona. <laughs> the rona yeah. rona corona i haven't heard of that Never either you talking the about rona the, you talking about alcohol i haven't heard of this coronavirus yes, yes. so as everyone i'm sure can relate that's oh my still God. just throwing rich and everything so maybe which i shouldn't i shouldn't think like this but maybe the season will get canceled and we can go elk hunt all this fall instead <laughs> in 15 years yeah that would be uh well, as long as they don't do like what Nebraska did, hell, Nebraska closed down their turkey season for non-residents. So did Kentucky. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Year. Yeah. Nebraska was the first state to do it, and as soon as they did, dude, we went and bought all the tags for everywhere so they couldn't close us out because, you know, Kansas tried to keep us out. We already had our tags. Missouri didn't really try. Um, but, yeah, we didn't get to go to Nebraska. We we could have went to Kentucky. I mean, we had places to hunt there and just didn't get to go. It was freaking crazy man yeah so that's still the only the only book we have only i mean hunt we have for sure on the books is a, a whitetail hunt in north dakota so that's the only thing i know of and then we'll be back and forth between jersey and texas very doing cool all kinds of ducks and sea ducks and whitetails sea ducks that doesn't sound fun it's <laughs> I, i've only filmed it like two times <laughs> those are two of the worst things is ducks <laughs> and then the sea Caleb Very hates salty, the water and he hates ducks. I don't hate oh, the water. Yeah. I just hate the ocean. Yeah, you would you would not be happy then. Where are it's y'all going for cool, that? Where, oh, so, yeah, of course you would say it's cool. Where do you where whereabouts is it? It's in outside of New Jersey, like off the coast, like literally oh, like Ocean yeah. City, like um, like you you see big houses in the background as you're shooting ducks. So it's kind of cool. But you you hunt in these layout boats where they, I guess, to the birds, it looks like you're just part of the water. So you're in a layout blind, but a boat version out in the middle of the ocean. So it's, we need, it's definitely a pretty unique experience. We need to get him. Well, he can't, when's he done playing? When's the fall? When's the season over? Hopefully, uh, first week of February every year. Oh yeah. Cause that's the super bowl. Well, dang it. Yeah. Well then he can't do that. I was hoping to try and get him up there with the blue stem guys, but he can't do that. Cause that's right in the middle of the season. Yeah. Dang it! That so, would, well, um, it would be it would be mid to late January. I mean, I mean, if he doesn't have the best season, then that's possible. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't so want to wish that on him. Yeah, definitely possible. But I'm going to make the assumption that they're going to win the Super Bowl every year. Yeah. So he won't ever be available. Yeah. Well, that's good because <laughs> that means uh, he's doing good, and y'all are doing good. So yeah. I'm I'm rooting for him too. Coming from an, an Eagles fan, one of these years. <clears throat> coming from an Eagles fan, it's really bad to to really expect good things out of them because. <laughs> That's exactly when they they really don't perform. So it's better to really just go into things and be like, man, we're just going to have a rough season. Then they do really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's reverse, That's been, reverse psychology. Works every time. Works every, every time. time. Every year, every year the, the sports casters are like, yeah, the Eagles have this freaking studded team and, and they're going to do freaking so good this year. Nothing. <laughs> but then when they're like, this is just going to be a building year for the building Eagles, year. and then all of a sudden they just have the best season of their lives. Yeah. yeah. Building. I love that term, building year. I want to know who came up with that term and slapped <laughs> that guy. It's probably Somebody some marketer. Really team that won yeah. 
what exactly. an excuse. Yeah, well, they, they contacted some PR department. It's like, oh, we don't want to say this is going to be a terrible year for us. What's another thing we could call it? A building <laughs> season. I like that. We can spend yes. that. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, see, I'm not, a, I'm not a football fan at all, but I guess if I have to root for somebody in the NFL, I guess I'll have to root for those guys just because There you go. we have an indirect connection. Yep, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time um, to hey, no talk problem. with us, and I'm super stoked for your new opportunities and everything. How do you like the land management side of it? How are you liking that? What is all that entailing for you? I'm actually really, really, really enjoying it. I shouldn't say this on this podcast, but I kind of like it more than the hunting film. I mean, the filming, producing type thing. So <laughs> maybe just because it's new and I'm not sitting behind a, a computer. But oh, I can imagine. We've just, I mean, it's been a blast. Well, There's kinda, so much to do here. Well, I was about to say, it's kind of the same process, though, if you think about it. It's taking, taking, you know, essentially a, a clean slate and making it something. And you get to see it in the process. It's just a much longer process. Yeah, for sure. And that's what, actually what I miss probably about filming is like the quote-unquote quick satisfaction of shooting something, editing it, and seeing a finished product. Whereas this farm, to get where we want, it's probably going to be a 10-year process. Granted, we get like little little things here and there, like blowing out a food plot and getting a food plot planted. That type of stuff is fun. But as far as the whole overall picture, it's going to be a long-term play, whereas a, lo- a lot of these videos are a few months or a few weeks, which is satisfying for me. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, it sounds like little one's up. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, go, go be with her, dude. I appreciate your time, okay. man. That's awesome. All right, no problem. I appreciate it. Thanks, dude. Oh, <laughs>